Hello, I'm Brendan Sinclair, and uh, welcome to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. Uh, we are joined this week by Danielle Partis, Marie D'Alessandri, Jeffrey Russo, and uh, Chris Drang. Oh, God, I hate my surname. Can I change my surname? <laughs> <laughs> Always feels like a weird, like comical num- name to end on. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't realize we were going to get that peek into your, you know. You've been doing this a while now, right? Yeah. <laughs> only only comes up in the podcast. I go, like, have a silly. Everyone's got really good surnames. Um, and uh, just, uh, drink. I sound like a I sound like an Australian comedian. Um, yeah. That wouldn't work because we only really know you as Dring or Dringo, not yeah, Chris. That's true. It's true. I just introduce myself as Dringo from now on in. Okay, that was unexpected. Um, let's <laughs> let's talk about video games. I I, I guess it's it's twenty twenty two. That still sounds really weird to say. Uh, and uh, earlier this week, we ran our sort of analyst panel predictions roundup article that we do each year, um, which I always really like because you get tired year after year of um, letting analysts just kind of say, hey, numbers going to go up here. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And then no one ever kind of like checks in with them later on to say, so what's up with that? Were you right? Were you wrong? And uh, with this with this roundup article, we show them, you know, we have them go back to their predictions from last year and tell us like, yep, nailed that one or nope, way off base. Um, it's, it's always fun to see when they are off base, uh, how how diplomatically they address that issue. <laughs> some, <laughs> some can be pretty blunt about like, no, I whiffed that. That was way off. Um, but one thing that I've also found doing this is that like, a lot of analysts kind of have the job they have for a reason. And they, despite whatever reputation people might have um, uh, around the, the guesses, they can be pretty accurate. And even even though we've had last couple of years with the, the pandemic, which no one predicted, I'll, I'll dock them all points for that. <laughs> um, they've, they've still been pretty, pretty on point with most of their calls about about the the industry. So as we as we look into 2022 here, there were a number of of calls from from our analysts that uh, I, I I wanted to talk about, um, and and one of one of the first that that I'm going to bring up is this uh, this idea. It's it's already been reported a little bit about uh, Sony planning to revamp its its subscription approach. And uh, Piers Harding Rolls with Ampere Analysis talked about it in in our predictions article. And he says uh, he doesn't think that it's going to be overhauled to the point where we're going to get like first party Sony games launching into the service the way Microsoft Game Pass does. Uh, But it's definitely, he says, is going to be more more robust. Some new release third party tables might be might be in the in the offering. And it's. It's an interesting idea, I think, just because the last couple of years, um, Game Pass has really been the Xbox story, I, I think. It's, you know, Xbox is, is clearly not the market leader right now, but they've had decent momentum and they've, they've definitely had like improving sentiment, <laughs> improving assessments from, from the press and the public, from what I can see. Uh, because of of the Game Pass subscription offering, Sony's PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus offerings have been Plus uh, has has done particularly well, just because you know people want to play online. But um, it hasn't hasn't seemed to to offer quite the same value. Do we think that in 2022, Sony's overhauled subscription service is going? To reach parity with Game Pass, will it will it be more compelling for people than Game Pass? How, how do you see this playing out? I I think the question then becomes how aggressive will they come out the gate with with that? Um, I I think about how this is probably not a good parallel to draw, but but I I think about how that people had to be loud about Sony. Um, almost abandoning its older catalog. Uh, I'm not sure if you all remember that. Um, I, I don't want to, probably the word abandoning isn't the right word, but but to remind them that 
having access to older games is important. So with that in mind, I'm thinking how aggressive will they be to, to have that viable? I know that's not the only draw. It's also to have access to newer games as well. But I, I, I suppose um, a part of that appeal would be, you know, how ready to babe are you going to have almost a 30-year history of, of you know, this, this, this library that you built um, with your brand um, with these experiences that, you know, still a lot of people haven't <laughs> played nearly every single game. Um yeah, I, I I just think how much of that will be available from the start and where does it grow from there? Yeah, it's it's wild to me how how like what a poor job I think Sony has done of of capitalizing on its its history on its vast gaming catalog and and having like Jim Ryan you know talking about how oh I saw the original Ridge Racer who wants to play this now or the original Gran Turismo because he wouldn't slag a third-party game. Um, and, and it's like, I want to play that now. And even if I don't want to play it necessarily, I, I, I want to be able to like kind of sort through PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4. Like, you've got five consoles now, five complete libraries of games from different eras. Different people are going to like games from different consoles. And, and, and Sony is just like, everything before PS4 is just abandoned now. And it's... I, I think it's it's just like this this incredibly rich vein of content that they have just decided to leave on the shelf. And I think it's leaving money on the table. Um, it is. I think you're right. Um, the But the thing is, with, I've always understood PlayStation to be a hardware company. It makes... It makes... Whether it's... You know, we've seen the VR announcement. That sort of feeds into that. They make um, controllers and, and consoles... Uh, and they make games to make the most of those controllers and consoles, and, and then they and then they and then they do it again, and they do it again. They're, they're, they're kind of market leaders with that in many ways. Even the, even though the PS5 may not be quite as powerful as the Series X, what it's done in other te- what it's done in other technical ways, particularly with the DualSense, it's really advanced. And they, they're also leaders in the software sense. That they, they make games for these sort of um, technology. They're, they're, that's what they do. It's, Nintendo is similar, but in, they make different types of games. Whereas Xbox, they've never been a leader in the services side. They've never been a leader in looking in sort of in, in, in going back and talking about sort of uh, backwards compatibility. They have done that, but then they sort of drop it very quickly in favour of their core focuses on making games for the new hardware. And, um, and you know, they followed Xbox Live with, with PlayStation Plus. Like they were very happy to let Xbox Live uh, make all the mistakes and then get, make it everything right and then go, right, we're going to copy that. And I think that's what we're seeing here with with I, I play with PlayStation Now and PS Plus is you know Sony sort of set back, stood back and just watched Xbox. You know Jim Ryan when we interviewed him a couple of years ago he did an he actually said to us that one of the reasons behind centralizing PlayStation is that if the whole industry decides subscription is a thing, if the whole industry decides streaming is a thing, it allows PlayStation to be able to react quickly and follow it. But they weren't talking about ever leading those areas. There was like we'll let we'll let Xbox lead. And then we'll follow. And you know, PlayStation have been, they enhanced PS Now about a couple of years ago where they put in more PS4 games. And then they and then they experienced a little bit of Game Pass with MLB The Show, which did very well for them, um, which they put into Game Pass last year because it was a multi-format Sony game. And um, and I think now they're probably going, right, we'll take the next step up for us where we, we can we, we simplify PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now. We'll put some games in there Maybe maybe some games will be day and date. Maybe some of those online games, like Nintendo's put Tetris 99 in their service because they know that that's going that, to, you know, there's benefits there. But it probably doesn't suit God of War. It probably doesn't suit Horizon and, and the business models around those sort of titles. And then, and then just continue to watch Xbox. And, you know, and if it seems to be working and it isn't causing any harm, pivot and change. And you know, even putting games on PC, that's following Microsoft. And um, and they don't they're not following Microsoft in every way. You know, when it comes to the I say with the hardware and the games, they're doing their own thing. But in this space, they seem to be. And I, and with PlayStation's sort of popularity globally being so much higher, um, they can follow Xbox and then almost eclipse them quite quickly if they if they really go for it. So I don't I don't think this year we're going to see that happen because I don't think they're going to be aggressive enough. I don't think we're going to see God of War and Gran Turismo and Horizon go into. Get, uh, whatever the PlayStation service will be, day and date, but uh, you know it doesn't take them. It won't take too much for them to be able to do that if they want to and if it makes sense. 
Yeah, I think I agree with like mostly everything you said. I don't think this year PlayStation is going to be in any position to um, be on a par with uh, Game Pass. But I think they don't need to, if that makes sense. I think it could be a year where they're going to maybe be some trial and error about what they do. And Jeffrey was mentioning the um, classic PlayStation games that have been abandoned. And I think it's it, there's going to be a great opportunity uh, to unearth those games and put them back at the forefront. I think that's that's going to be... I mean, I don't know, but I'm assuming going to be a focus for PlayStation this year with that service and because they've announced that tier approach and one tier is going to be dedicated to classic PlayStation games. So I think that's that's going to just attract different people than people who go to Game Pass to play day and date. Uh, as as you said, Chris, I don't I don't expect God of War or Horizon to be on on their service day and date and stuff like that. But it's going to be interesting to see them just shake things up a bit. I feel like PlayStation is really good at what it's doing, but it's going to be interesting to see them doing something a bit different. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm excited about that. It's, it's shaping up to be something quite excited for me as a very PlayStation person. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And games that didn't do that well or might have had a niche audience, like Returnal this year, as, an, as mm. purely picking an example, or something like Deathloop, you know, I don't know what the deal was with PlayStation and Bethesda on that, but, you know, they might think that that's a game that uh, those are games that, you know, they, they, they're faded away. They're not selling anymore. Let's put them in there. So you might get some, maybe not day and date, but stuff that's very close. Um, but also it's worth pointing out it's third parties. Third parties, particularly indie developers, are loving Xbox right now because Xbox are chucking loads of money at them to put their games into Game Pass nice and early. And um, PlayStation will want to do the same thing there to appeal to appease that sort of audience, but also to do that kind of thing. And I think it was notable that I think was it on PS Now, Grand Theft Auto Three, was it PS Now? It might have been PS Plus. Um, was the re- the terrible remaster they recently did? Um, Vice City was in um, uh, was in a was it San Andreas? I can't remember. One of them had one of them had one game, and the other one had the other. And it was like, is this how often do we do we get third party games? Um, launching day and date in a PlayStation subscription service. I mean, you get a little bit of it in in, in PS Plus, but how, how have we had much of that in PS Now? I don't think so. And it's um, and I think that's another thing. It's not just about PlayStation's first party first per, first party releases or even their legacy games. It's also about the third party publishers that are doing deals with Xbox right now because Xbox is chucking money at them to get their games in um, in in Game Pass. Mm, I don't, I don't really think there's a a particularly awful way for it to go because i mean for the past couple of gens at least playstation has always angled towards um it's its catalog um and that's always been very strong and it i feel like playstation has always had that its games have always been its strength and to kind of leave those previous generations in the dark when they could be making money from having them accessible it it is a complete no-brainer Yeah, it's going to be a good year for PlayStation, I think, mm. because they've got some big games this year, really big games. Um, three of their biggest franchises are out this year. I think it's going to be a good year for PS5, it's, if they can get enough <laughs> enough stock. When you say, uh, I don't see it going particularly awful, or I don't see an awful thing happening, um, a little part of my brain takes that as a challenge. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. And and like I've 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 been kind of, you know, unsure about this whole Netflix of games kind of subscription approach um, for for a little bit now. And and I, I do worry about when, uh, uh, if it is a when instead of an if, uh, when things like Game Pass become the standard, become so widely accepted that that's just how people get their games. Uh, and And what happens then to you know indies that aren't able to to get a deal in game pass are are the deals to get onto game pass as lucrative for the indies that make it as as they are now when microsoft needs them to build game pass uh in the future microsoft won't need them to build game pass as much because game pass will already have been an established thing that everyone wants and needs to get into um, so in, in the short term, I very much see that whole, you know, like, Hey, we looked at the numbers and, you know, it turns out putting games into game pass actually increases sales on other platforms. And, and like, that's kind of a neat thing, but it's also because not everyone has a game pass subscription right now. 
Um, yeah. That and it's not true of everything though. Like there are examples of game. You know, it's, uh, Xbox loves to call out like what was it, the out, Outriders and MLB and stuff. But Halo Infinite's numbers were terrible, and I guarantee that game's done very well um, <laughs> in terms of player numbers because of its free to play element and its Game Pass element. But as a physical product. Um, and as a as a digital product as well, it didn't sell great at all. It didn't even get in the top five. And in certain markets, it's just which madness when you think of a Halo. And that's got and you've got to think that that's the biz, That's the business model changing. And Xbox's core fans are all subscribed up, right? That's what I think. Anyway. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know. And I think that's one of the things that excites me about video games is they do they do just go for stuff like whether and sometimes it's like is this a good idea? Oh, there's no there's nothing to base this on. There's no. Uh, <laughs> there's no uh we're not we're not following any other industry we're, we're just giving it a go and seeing what happens and, and and somebody comes in like microsoft trying to disrupt things and it's like is this a, is this going to end well? well and i have your concerns brendan yeah um, i mean it's exciting it's it's also worrying i think it's safe to say that the the blu-ray market in home video is not what it was 10 years ago no no indeed uh I, I, I think now we're we're in a situation where like if something isn't streaming, um, that that seriously impacts the the number of you know eyes that are actually going to see it uh, in in film and TV anyways, and and yeah it's 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 a concern for me the the idea of of games heading there even even if you know like I have a Game Pass subscription. And there are certainly games that, like, I have played specifically because, like, oh, hey, that's on Game Pass? Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. And PlayStation have this concern. Now, that's the reason why I don't think they're going to... And look, they're a market leader, so... Um, and they'll be more cautious. Um, and Microsoft won't because they've, they've sort of got less to lose um, in many respects. And, and, I, and I think PlayStation will try and find a way forward that will protect uh, the sort of more traditional market because that's my actual thing is I'm more into the AAA industry. And I think if you're making a big single player AAA game that doesn't have any extra microtransactions or DLC or anything, I don't know how the subscription model works for those sort of games generally. Like I, I get how it might work for an indie game where, where the revenues, where the costs are a little less. And I can get it where it worked for a game where if you have millions of users, you can generate revenue for other ways. But I don't know how it would work for God of War. Yeah. Has to be a platform holder, loss leader, like like Microsoft can do with Game Pass. Um, another another bit of the, the predictions roundup, which um, I thought was interesting because I, I don't think it's played as large a role in, in the last few years of this article, was virtual reality. And there's some, there's some talk about whether uh, virtual reality might finally, finally hit the mainstream this year. We've got Sony's announced PSVR 2. They they just this week said that uh, they are going to have a new Horizon game for it. Um, no release date yet, but they also uh, dropped some, some of the hardware specs for it. And there's speculation about an Oculus Quest 3 by the, by the end of the year, because Oculus Quest 2 did, uh, had one of its, you know, best uh, quarters for the company in the, in the, just completed holiday quarter what what does everyone think are is vr finally finally here i hope so when i when i started taking notes earlier to prep for the podcast i wrote this one down as less of a prediction and more of a hope type of thing i just want it to be because i love vr and i want 2022 to be big for vr but i truly believe that it could actually happen so the thing is, we don't know is if PSVR 2 is going to be a this year thing or later when we chatted before before starting. Danielle, I know you said you don't think it's going to happen this year. I'm still on the fence about it because I can't believe that. Like Essentially, because Moss, it's really silly, but because Moss 2 is releasing in, in spring 2022, it sounds super odd to me that they would release it on PSVR only, considering that Moss launched on every other... VR headset if it's not that it's going to launch on PSVR 2 and that's the only thing that leads me to believe that maybe it's going to happen this year but um, Danielle I know you, you you thought that might not be a thing and I kind of agree with you as well being like 
it sounds unlikely considering all the issues and delays that we've experienced uh, over the past year as well. Yeah, that was that was kind of how I was feeling. In a in a normal cycle, sort of compared to the PS4 launch, the, the PSVR one came out around uh, two years into. Was it two years or was it three years? No, I think it was three years into um, into the console's life cycle. So it feels like kind of the right time to announce that it's going to hit in the next year or so. But given the production delays and the pandemic setbacks that we've had, it just feels so off to me. Like If you can't go out and pick up a PS5 yet, there's absolutely no hope for... Uh, you know a vr player base on those consoles i think maybe five percent of of the ps4 uh players picked up a vr headset which is i guess maybe about five million units which isn't a low amount by any means but it's it's still quite a small percentage and i see that being even less when people have gone out and they've maybe spent over the odds to even get this console or struggle to get one at all um it it feels like a bad time to kind of say hey we're bringing out a new VR headset for this console that you can't actually buy. The announcement, the announcement the other the other day sounded like letting developers know the specs. Yeah, right? <clears throat> as if it felt it felt like um, uh, here's the hardware that we're making. Uh, devs, can you start making games for it? Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't feel like hey, we've got a product that's ready. It felt like more like a G, oddly a GDC. It felt like a GDC mm. reveal. Yeah. Um. So I I'll be shocked if it's this year. Yeah. As you only because they don't probably don't have any games for it yet, but they also it's um. They've got to, uh, they've got to, you say, manufacture it, <laughs> and there's, there's no semiconductors. Um, but, um, but I, I think it's going to be. I think VR's. This is the thing. VR's been profitable for a while. Mm. They have companies like N Dreams that have been making money out of VR yeah. for quite a while now. And it's just that it's just it's just that there was this thing. There was a time at the beginning when VR came out, and you had one group of people telling you it was going to change the world and transform entertainment, and everything would be a VR. And then you had the other people at the other end of the spectrum who were telling you that oh no, you having to wire it in and it's, it makes you sick and it's going to it's not going to work and everyone's going to hate it. And the people who like who were in the middle who were actually making the tech were like they were all quite reasoned and said well i think it'll be quite small to begin with and then it would just slowly steadily grow and that's exactly what's happened it steadily got bigger um it got bigger during the pandemic like everything else in games did it was one of the things that did it's just had a really good christmas it's growing again um and i think this year it will continue that that journey and then that's why playstation are investing back in it they could have dropped out entirely they closed a lot of their vr studios um uh, so they, they're clearly they know that it's 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 not an immediately profitable thing but it, it's um I, you know i don't know if this will be the year oculus uh, vr makes it into the mainstream but it will be closer to it i think than it was last year and it will continue to get it's just it's just growing at a, a what is how things should go you know things that do become successful and maintain and stay are the ones that steadily get there year after year on year mm. rather than the things that boom in and then disappear out like a motion control gaming or, or stuff like that so I'm um I'm yeah I think I think it's going to be a good year for VR but I then just as it was last year and it will continue to be I think for the next mm. good few years. I'm interested in the process of of how these new people come into VR though. Like like what what is it that that makes you look at it and say like okay well yeah no and then what gets you over the fence to actually you know like Marie when when, when did you kind of like decide like yes I'm I'm all in on VR? Uh, that's a very good question. I mean, the, the the honest answer is just I played Moss at Gamescom and I thought that was absolutely incredible. <laughs> and so that just convinced me about the tech and just being a cool thing. Um, but then what really, really changed everything for me was the quest to and be able to play without having a cable in the way. Because I played in VR before that. For a while I had a PSVR. Uh, I have a Quest 1. And But the Quest 2 and not having cables just changes everything because all of a sudden it removes that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, barrier of like, I can play on my couch, I can play on my bed, I can play standing up in my office, I can just, it's like more portable and that changes everything. And I think that that's really the thing that makes me hopeful for the future of VR is is seeing... I know that's not the case of PSVR 2, actually. This will still require a cable, but <laughs> it's fine. The, PSVR 2 has other stuff that gets me excited, like the promise of haptic feedback and all the cool things that are PS5 related that we could see in VR. But I think overall, just going towards a VR headset without cables and not being wired 
is where it's at. And that's what sometimes convinces me to play in VR rather than play on my Switch or play on my PS5, for instance. It's just like, oh, I can now just as easily play Moss for a couple of hours. Sorry, I play other games than Moss, just to be clear, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's always the first one that comes to mind. Moss is good. Uh, I can... It's so good. I can just as easily play a VR game now as I can play on my TV or on my Switch or on my mobile. And and I think that's... I don't know if that really is related to 2022 predictions because, as I was saying, PSVR 2 will have a cable. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just so cool. VR is so cool. It's just the ultimate way to forget that the real world exists. And I like that. <laughs> I, think, I think the first time, well, it was a similar story. The first time that I, I've had a VR headset since the PSVR came out, but I was never that into it. And I think the first time that I played something that I went, actually, you know, this is all right, was when mm-hmm. I played that. And I mentioned them in End Dreams earlier, that, that game they did with the, the rowing, the, I've forgotten the game now. The, oh, yeah. And I really liked that. It was the first time I played something that went, oh, this is cool. And I think, I'm guessing that's how it's spreading, right? It's, it's, it's people playing it and uh, more people buying it and then showing it their friends, which I guess makes it odd that it's, been so it's done so well during the pandemic and the lockdowns <laughs> when people can't they can't the, the opportunity to go around people's houses and play these things aren't, aren't there um but and the software's getting better and the hardware's getting better and people are saying oh we check this out this is cool this is new and you know the idea of oh i remember when i got the playstation vr the amount of people that wanted to come over and play it was was yeah was was really high and these are people i'm talking like people that aren't into games they just wanted to see this new tech and and i and i think i'm guessing that's the way it's doing it yeah um, i don't know yeah i i always felt like one of the the barriers to a vr boom was its accessibility you know that the high price point and the needing a a reasonable computer to even use it um that was obviously stopping a lot of people from getting involved but as marie just said with the quests where you can just get it out of the box it's not unreasonably priced for what it is and you can just you can take it anywhere you can share it with people you can use it completely unrestricted i think when things like that start to become more commonplace then more people start to buy them and be interested in it yeah i think Mm. about although i have my own apprehensions with vr but i think about this viral tweet during the holidays where it it was someone's uncle that was introduced to to the oculus i think and he he was like really into it um it it did look funny from the outside but i think okay you know that's definitely a shift there because i'm imagining maybe a year or two ago no one would have thought of of getting him that gift but here we are now so that i I feel like that's a good benchmark that we're on our way as it were Okay, so it sounds like we've we've got some optimism around VR. Maybe not necessarily this year specifically, you know, dependent on the launch of a PSVR two, Oculus Quest three, which you know, hardware shortages might might push those out. But trending upward, anyone disagree with that? Mm. Okay, wow, yeah. that is that <laughs> is the most optimism I have heard around VR in uh, in <laughs> a few years, I think. At least, you know, from people who from people who aren't, you know, invested in a company working for. I think I think it's where it is, right? You know, sort of VR went on its journey where everyone's like, it's going to be the biggest thing ever. People investing millions, and then the money started to dry up a little bit, and then it went down, and then it sort of reached the level it was at. And now we're asking, now it's the level is at. Will it go up? Well, yeah, we think it will. It's it's not like and um, whereas if you were gonna yeah if whereas before i think a lot of the negativity came almost from the hype being a bit too high yeah um, and i don't think the hype's too high for it now well and i think a lot of people hype. thought yeah. oh no don't talk <laughs> no i'm still going to talk about vr so we don't have to talk about metaverse uh <laughs> i think also the issue was uh, and you you did mention it briefly chris as well but uh this idea that everyone was like oh in a few years everything will be vr and i think that's just that was annoying everyone thinking that like i think it's good vr is good if you see it as just something that complements the current games market as it is i don't think vr is going to take over the entire market i don't think everything is going to become vr but i like this little pocket of the games industry that just does something different and cool and i hope it stays like that Okay, now you can talk about the metaverse and I will not talk anymore. <laughs> no, no, we don't need to talk about the metaverse. No. Um, I, it is, well, I will say that, that 
it is a possibility that the push of companies like Facebook Meta to create a metaverse using VR might create additional investment in the VR space in general. And, you know, maybe maybe VR gaming gets a boost from that. Yeah, yeah no, that's true. Maybe. Maybe we're just going to get loads of people launch PlayStation Home 2. And... Um, <laughs> And, uh, and we're like, why, do, why do we want this? I, <laughs> I can't wait until we have to have our work meetings there. It's going to be great. <laughs> Everyone's going to love that. Um, one, one, one more thing from the analyst article, which I, which I was curious about, because it doesn't often happen where we get uh, conflicting predictions from the analysts. But uh, we we had uh, Dr. Serkin Toto saying that uh, game delays, we're we're finally going to be kind of like putting them behind us a bit. Um, companies they they are used to working in the pandemic now. They've they've got a hold on this, and when they tell you that you know games coming out at a time, they're going to be a lot better about hitting that date. And then the MPD groups, Matt Piscatella is like, it's going to be the year of the delay part two. Like, like just they're going to keep sliding. The one thing they agreed on is that the uh, companies are going to be more cautious. They're going to wait longer to actually announce the dates that they that they nail down. Mm. Um, but it's it, it's interesting to me because um, I'm wondering if 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 we finally have it figured out because 2021 felt uh, like it was just one delay after another from the word go. It, 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 actually, it's the question is, and I think this is actually one of the things I was really going into the this, this this conversation to discuss in my head was: is this going to be the greatest year of the gaming, or is everything yeah. going to get delayed again? Um, because no. right now it looks fantastic, and I, it's, you know, I've mentioned earlier PlayStation's lineup, but Xbox have got you know Bethesda Game Studios is apparently launching its first new IP in probably forever in Star in Star Starfield at the end of the year, and that's. And that's a that's a major game launch. And then you've got Nintendo doing Breath of the Wild two and Kirby's and Splatoon's. Yet all the lineup already is is incredible. Um, there's Rainbow Sixes and, and Elden Rings and, and Dying Lights, and this is all in the first few months of the year. Uh, Pokemon and I, I'm and I and it all looks amazing. And I'm just like, is it going to get delayed again? Have have people learned? Because uh, the thing is, let's be honest. The reason why these delays are happening is because the uh, the move to high in hybrid working uh, or you know working from home and the challenges that's brought about and studios having to realign what they do and 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 that kind of thing and, and there's a lot of studios that still don't know that you know i did a a wonderful panel which i've not had to report on yet which is really annoying um at megamix with four quite big game studios all doing very different things about um ones like insisting their staff come back into the office because they they keep they not were hitting their deadlines and they and another another is us going entirely remote but for the same reason like they, they don't want to confuse things and there's a couple of others doing hybrid working and trying to work that stuff out and i think we're still in that phase of working out how what a post-covid working environment looks like so i do think we'll probably see some delays the question is whether or not and i don't know the answer and i think that's the reason why you've got analysts being a bit <laughs> disagreeing on it is whether or not um, they've worked out to the point where the delays aren't six months and but maybe a month or a couple of weeks so if we're getting closer to our to work to getting be able to make these estimate estimates and predictions um because uh uh i'm really excited about this year i think this could be one of the best years ever for games if matt from mpd is wrong <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and i hope he is i hope he's very wrong um but i understand why you might think that you know you know, he, the, the, he's a data guy. He follows the trends and the trends have been delays, 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 even at the end of last year. But it's a thing. That was the thing that interested me. Some of the delays that were reported on, you know, it was Elden Ring got delayed by a month. Right. But then you started seeing games that got announced and a month later got delayed by six months. Right. And it's just like, well, hang on. <laughs> Where did this how have you gone from like the Mar that Marvel XCOM game coming out in March to some point in 2022? I mean, how did that go from a concrete release window to whenever um so oh, i'm not giving an answer yeah. question i i hope um matt's wrong because i do think this year could be a special one for for just great games i i actually well i th I think i remember hearing kind of the same thing last year around this time like oh 2021 will be phenomenal because it's got all the delayed stuff from 2020 in it um and and you know 
the year had had its highlights and everything but uh i i'm i'm inclined to to agree with matt on on this one actually and and you know i i hope he's wrong he hopes he's wrong i'm sure um but it's it's just like even even that that for axis game getting delayed the the marvel midnight suns one that you mentioned chris like i don't i don't remember for axis delaying a game like ever before even even when take two was like notorious for delaying absolutely everything that came out of there um they for axis would just like hey we got a civilization yep we shipped a civilization well, and it's it's like these are these are not you know simple games <laughs> it's they're, yeah they're, they're pretty complex things but they always were able to and and i understand the pandemic is a different kind of uh challenge for them but it it still it still surprised me a little bit see midnight sun surprised me but then i i was wondering and i don't want to i get a bit conspiratorial when i think about these sort of things that maybe take two of the game later in the year that actually is in a bit of trouble like maybe it's that ken levine game and uh he's gone right that's not hitting 2020 that's not hitting christmas 2022 so maybe we can push for axis's game there they want a bit more time and in march because we think march this year for take two is is wwe it's the grand theft auto 5 ps5 releases it's uh, uh they've got uh, that borderlands game that tiny teeny game they've actually got quite, quite a busy month and they probably could do with you know maybe we should push one into a uh, a little bit further away because it will give our teams a bit more space and uh we've lost some you know because there's the things like delay you know things move around not entirely because of the 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 time yeah. stuff but uh, it, it, so if i'm being a bit maybe it's not as simple as it's not as simple as kobe delayed it but i yeah i don't yeah the the, the marvel thing worried me but elden ring was only pushed back a couple of weeks um uh really uh i don't i don't really it, it's a it's a strange thing i think it's unusual I thought the probably the the boldest thing is uh, Xbox putting an actual release date on the Bethesda game uh, mm. over a year before um, that was yeah. it. that was like the boldest thing I've ever seen. And like everyone else is being super cautious and going right twenty twenty two. Hopefully we're giving this a go. Maybe it'll be around that time, you know. But and then there's Xbox game November tenth. <laughs> so um. So, um uh, I tell you what, the delays are good, though, because it just shows that because all these legacy games are making so much money for these games companies that they are becoming increasingly happy just to go, well, you know, if your game's not ready, it's not ready. Let's not overwork the staff. Let's not, um, uh, you know, yes, there are exceptions to that, the GTA trilogy. Um, Let's not put something else out that's not that's not quite right. Um, But um, I don't know. I'm going to be I'm going to be I'm going to be the optimist. They're gonna have a great year. I'll be, be yeah. Zelda I'll is be coming with you out on that this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you on that one. I, I want to believe it's gonna be a, a great year for AAA, and everything's gonna be just fine, and no, no delay is gonna happen. And what's for sure that what what I was thinking about was um, if if all these games actually do release this year, is um, Call of Duty and all the other. I mean, all the other. And other annual releases are going to sell even less this year than they did last year. And every year it gets smaller and smaller and Call of Duty sells less and less. I mean, do correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. But if if the releases this year, the rescheduled, which is so strong as it stands, and if all these games release, I feel like Call of Duty should really worry. And I mean, should really worry anyway, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, really think about what that franchise is doing because... Why would you play Call of Duty when you can play God of War and all the other cool titles that supposedly are going to launch this year? Call of Duty is a bit more mainstream, and you know it, it's had low yes, points. It's had low okay. points before um, <laughs> uh, Infinite Warfare, Ghosts. You know they were they were and and there are two Call of Duty games in circulation, and there's loads of things about Call of Duty which is uh, it, it definitely had a challenge launch last year. It wasn't a great game. Um, it isn't a um, it isn't a, it isn't one. It's all it's, it's it's you know it's pretty much if it's a Black Ops attached to the title or uh, modern warfare they tend to do quite well um but when there's when it's uh, world war Two and infinite warfare or ghosts they don't tend to do so well so it's it's interesting but i do think activision you know i remember having a chat with someone who was very senior at activision uh, uh this is about six years ago and he and i said isn't it about time that call of duty stopped becoming annual annualized and he went we're having those conversations so i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if the one activision game that comes out every year is um you know doesn't you know this time around um but 
But actually, you know, sometimes you see when there's lots of games coming out and lots of people talking about games, it gives everything a bit of a lift. So it's difficult to, it's difficult to know um, what, 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 what happens. You know, at the moment, Ubisoft, I mean, I guess Ubisoft got the Avatar game. I guess maybe that's their big Christmas yeah. game. Um, so. There's going to be another Assassin's Creed this year, I think. Because there I, I would, wasn't one last year. I wouldn't be surprised if they take another year out for that and focus on like Avatar or something. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, because they say they've, 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 they've just delayed Rainbow Six and they've had, they've got a load of games that they've had to push back and it just, you know, they might just keep pushing those things. You know, Valhalla's still got, isn't there still some stuff coming out for that? Yeah, there was yeah. A, the a great, like great DLC just coming out and stuff. Um, but yeah, there is still DLC for Valhalla, but I still think... I don't know. I think they have this rhythm now that, that the new Assassin's Creed game comes out every couple of years. So I wouldn't be surprised to see one this year. But you are right that they might focus on something else. We'll see, I guess. Yeah, I can just co- want an Assassin's Creed game, to be honest. That's why. <laughs> they've, got the, they've got the COVID challenges and they've got their own recruitment challenges. Let's not forget, you know, it's, it's, a, it's mm. a very hostile uh, for, amongst companies uh, recruitment um, situation at the moment. Ubisoft's had a really, um, you know, not an overly positive time for them as a business and um and staff looking for work aren't having to look very far to find it so um it, they've got challenges and i wouldn't be surprised if it does mean we, uh, things that we might expect to come out this year or, or whatever might, might might be a little bit later but um we'll, we'll we'll find out i want to mention real quick on the call of duty uh issue so the franchise when call of duty mobile came out finally had like a proper free-to-play offering and the monthly player base just jumped up massively with that and then when they released call of duty warzone this is the thing that kind of has me thinking like well what's the deal here is is it didn't see the same bump it's basically been flat and that is one sign about Call of Duty, and I've underestimated Call of Duty consistently in my in my time in the industry. And I always think like, okay, it can't 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 get any bigger, can't do any more. And I've been wrong almost every time. Um, but but I look at that that average player number base, the the engagement there from releasing Call of Duty Warzone which by all accounts has been a very, you know, successful free-to-play offering on console and PC, and not seeing that number even budge. Like, that worries me a bit. Well, um, it's difficult to know. I, the thing is with these games, they launch it in a different territory, in a diff- on a different format, and suddenly their numbers... I remember when PUBG was nearly dead. Um but it's um, I don't know. Call of Duty is it, but it's worth remembering. Call of Duty was still the second biggest. I mean, Pokemon came close, but it's the second biggest game launcher last year in the UK. I think it probably was one of the biggest in the US. Um, uh, it is, um, yeah. It's got a, some big studios working on it. You know, they've got you know quite a lot of major major companies doing some things. I just think I think there perhaps needs a bit more innovation in there, a bit more time to do that. Um, there aren't that many shooters these days. I always find like a lot of people gave up competing with Call of Duty, um, and Battlefield did really badly last year as well. It, it, I just wonder if maybe the people uh, are maybe shipped to alternative genres at the minute, and uh, Call of Duty needs to be looking at that, and or, or like maybe it's the Fortnite thing and, and stuff like that. You know, Warzone is is a, is a great game, but it's it, it's an eight. You know, it's an adult a battle royale sort of game experience it's not it doesn't it's not going for that um, I, Fortnite audience i agree with you chris they need a kart racer <laughs> Just, yeah, I'll, yeah i'll be oh, it's a good idea racing, it's a it? good idea you just <laughs> i'd play that uh call of duty golf that's not on <laughs> So we, we've talked a lot about the uh, analyst predictions here. Let's let's go round the table and uh, and then each kind of like give our our, our own little little predictions here. Um, I'll, I'll I'll start uh, because these are kind of they're they're really just more hopes <laughs> instead of predictions. Um, but like I'm I'm thinking 2022 by the end of it. Uh, one way or another, we are through um, the the worst of the pandemic, 
and we start to see a return to events normalcy. Uh, it might be it might be rough sledding between here and there. We we just lost E three this week, um, but I, I I expect by the end of twenty twenty two that we're going to have like some idea as to what the new normal is going to be like. Yeah, I hope so. I, hope I mean, so I miss I miss the games industry. <laughs> <laughs> I, miss, I miss you if you're listening i miss you um, uh i i we, we you know we're working on a few events aren't we so um yeah we saw some come back at the end of last year and, every, and it was sort of some of them people uncertainty and uns- but i think you know i agree i think we'll probably get that i just hope that this uh current uh covid omicron spike um disappears as fast as it appeared um and then we, <laughs> we can get back to the slow return to because I, I do, I don't know if every event will survive. You know, I, well, they already haven't. But I don't know if um, uh, people will go to everything. But I don't know, or everyone will want to meet up and they will go to everything. I don't know. Um, uh, I have. I think everyone has to change. That. One of the things I find really hard now is that whenever there is an event on that I can attend, is working out how I can fit it into my new lifestyle that has um, that has uh, come up because of COVID. You know, hang on, if I go to that, who's going to pick up? uh how did i how did i handle childcare before covid how did i um how did i um uh you know how did i how did i go to things when i have 40 zoom meetings every day um it's um it's the uh uh transitioning back i guess is the it won't be painless i suspect no but it'll be worth it the the only other one Um, because I feel like we need to talk about this briefly at least, is uh, Metaverse, NFTs, and blockchain. And um, I I think, like, the rational thing is that they cool off by the end of the year. And people sort of realize that, hey, we've had a bunch of people roll out their initiatives and none of them are particularly compelling to consumers. Um, and that it becomes almost like the 3D TV technology boom kind of thing of about 10 years ago. Only um, there was, you know, like a much a much more compelling pitch, I, I, I thought. Like, I actually still own a 3D TV, um, even if I don't use the 3D stuff on it. But, but like with the Metaverse, NFTs, and blockchain, I, I think there's such a lack of any there there that uh, I I hope to see them cool off by the end of the year. On the other hand, GameStop is still trading above like around $150 a share. And they entered last year with like an all-time high of, you know, 60 or something, $62 a share. So rational outcomes have been kind of off the table for the last year. They have been suspended and yeah that's that's my worry that that's where i can see me being absolutely wrong about this prediction but uh yeah i always find with the games industry and it's the thing i i actually like about it normally uh, it depends if i'm interested or not is it does rush it does does try things and it does give things a go and it, it does invest in stuff and some of it is a bit rubbish and sometimes it starts off well starts you know, I, I remember when they did dlc for the first time and stuff like horse armor and map packs which locked people out of games and and you had things like uh, people launching dlc weeks after launching the game and people backlashing against that and you still get that occasionally but then over the years they reacted to it and they adapted it and they changed it and there's other things in games where it starts off as one thing and then it becomes something completely different because they discover oh actually there is something here but it isn't the thing that we thought it was at the start and i don't know what metaverse investment will will lead to it might lead to everyone walking around in a virtual playstation home type thing but it might lead to something completely different um and nfts are the same you know um and blockchain gaming and all that kind of stuff it might take us into a different direction that isn't i mean it's lots of things i don't like about it i'm quite old i'm happy buying one game for uh 50 quid and then playing that and then not doing anything else with it afterwards but i understand there's different audiences and we live in a world where people are being brought up in digital uh, and hanging out with their friends in games and so it's um i'm 
you're right. It might it might cool off, or it might evolve, and we might start seeing um, we might see something good come out of something that perhaps is a bit rubbish at the minute. But uh, that's the thing with games. That's the things I love. The reason why I love doing this job, I just like covering it and watching it happen, and and what, what, look at these mistakes and cringe, and then and then admire when someone else takes those mistakes and fixes them, and then does something really successful with it. It's um, it, it it's it can be fun to watch. Uh, but it can also fill you with a lot of anxiety. Yeah, it's like a demolition derby, just in, <laughs> yeah. in industry form. Uh, Marie, I am I am sorry that you uh, presumably had to hear that uh, last few minutes. It's fine. I, I didn't listen. Good, good. <laughs> didn't listen to any of it. <laughs> um, now, your your predictions. Uh, yeah, my, it's something we actually mentioned a couple of times already, but I, um, I, I think this year we'll see the industry as a workplace continue to transform, transform sorry, more and more. Um, this year we've seen a few companies uh, start uh, uh, doing four days weeks and trying hybrid working models uh, with uh, people remote working, but also being able to come to the office if they want to. I think we're going to see more and more of that flexibility and just the the industry as a whole just evolving um and potentially even unionize which would be great uh so i think we're going to see more of that this year uh i think it's more generally a movement that we see even outside of outside of games sorry uh, at the moment just people are changing the way they see work and I think maybe potentially, I don't want to be too positive here, but I think people are trying to be more mindful of the rights and the health of workers a bit everywhere. Uh, I don't know if this is a prediction of a, or a hope type of thing, but I don't know. I want to believe that, you know, 2022 is a year where Kotick can't be CEO of Activision anymore type of thing as well. I think that ties into it as well, just this overall movement for better working conditions and studios being held accountable for their cultures and stuff like that. Um, hopefully this becomes the norm and not the exception anymore, if that makes sense. And that shift will give you um, plenty of material for the Academy section to cover. <laughs> so people are going to need help yep. navigating this. Oh, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it, I, I've been judging the best place to work awards and I can see it. Like, you know, it's so it's an employee's market out there at the minute. Right. Even if you know, even without unions. Right. Um, but still unionized people. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. But, uh, we, but we, <laughs> even in a world without them. Right. Um, yeah. Studios don't look after their staff are going to lose them to the ones that do because they're all hiring and they're not hiring one or two people. They're hiring 50 people, 100 people, 150 people. They're not putting all their job ads up because they don't can't hire for the people they've got currently. They're all poaching from each other. And there's, and there's all the people who are leaving these studios and setting up their own studios and all the money in games at the moment means that if you want a programmer that isn't fresh out of university and if you want a artist that knows you know a little bit about how to draw using your technology you're going to have to pay for them and you're going to have to look after them and that's that's you know every time i do these awards every time i do a bit of we do a bit of content around them and what i hear them doing i'm like whoa we weren't doing that last year you're what you're giving all the money back to the staff i'm like what's this and it's just that they know they have to fight so hard at the moment because it is an employee's market you know and um and uh and so i think i think you i i it's a hope i understand but i i think i think it will happen i think we're going i think it is happening i think it's been happening for a while and it's just going to keep going on that journey and we're going to uh, so. it's going to get even better danielle um I'm going to bat for for one of James's predictions in his absence because um, I thought it was quite interesting, um, and it was something that I thought about earlier this week with Samsung um, unveiling their smart TV gaming hub. They partnered with uh, with Nvidia and Stadia and a couple of other companies um, to basically allow game streaming directly from their newer models of TVs, and I thought. That was quite interesting and I started thinking about what it would kind of mean for the console makers if we saw a trend of people not needing to buy a console, which is quite extreme, but um, I, d I did start thinking about that. Yeah. It's It's been tried before on live, actually shipped built into some, some TVs, but you know, maybe if, if you actually have a service that isn't on live people will actually use it mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i think streaming will start with gamers doing it so they can carry on playing their games in other rooms or they can do um 
you know you can play uh local co-op and games that don't support it or you can carry on playing your game on the train on the in the phone i think that's where it was i think that's where you'll first start seeing the traction of the tech being used amongst consumers and then and then it will start and then when the business models make sense and and people start work, believing in it and, and happy with the lack of ownership um it might spread out from there i just think game streaming is is i think it is the future i just think it's a very it's going to be a slow <laughs> uh, uh, journey into getting that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, but we'll, we'll, I, well, you will see, but like VR, I think it's, you know, every year, I think it'll be a little bit bigger than it was the year before. Um, and um, I think that'll be true this year, hopefully. Maybe. When when people play Game Pass here, do you stream the games or do you normally download them and play them? I do not Game Pass. <laughs> I usually download uh, them, but that's because i still live in sort of like the bronze age of the internet um but if i did <laughs> have better internet i would uh i would probably stream them just for ease i was actually going to stream my first game pass game over christmas and i don't even know if i can do it because i don't have a pc and i want to play age of empires um whatever number it is for um and uh, i i assume that is on cloud uh, cloud xbox cloud gaming and i can stream it to something if i don't have powerful enough computer to run it i think i was i don't i so no but the answer is no i haven't done it <laughs> but i was thinking about it <laughs> i tried it once on my on my phone um but like when i'm connected to the tv i'm always downloading it's interesting I, I i don't i don't have a great reason as for why that is maybe just the possibility of a streaming experience being somewhat less than perfect compared to a download but no well, hasn't been an i issue. did play sea of thieves briefly on a phone just to see it work <laughs> Yeah. I did do that once. <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, it, it worked, but I, I don't. It's not the not the best place to play Sea of Thieves. Jeffrey, what what kind of predictions do you see uh, for twenty twenty two? So two come to mind specifically. Um, the first one is the evolution. Well, I guess evolution is not the right word, but how shows and presentations will have to, by virtue of you know the pandemic of how they'll conduct themselves you know what 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 do they look like what will they look like excuse me um because we're still very much you know an industry that runs on hype you know and people like seeing faces excited about things in shows um versus a highlight reel i guess <laughs> so it'll just be interesting to see um what that'll look like even with online events to see what um platform holders will will do um so, you know keep us uh excited um and the other thing from a business aspect i i hope <laughs> just more um companies even though they're already working on it just um yeah just make a having more uh diverse and inclusive uh staff um as chris was mentioning hiring um that be more of a core business um venture um not buried like hopefully it's not just something that's just buried in a, a press release you know what i mean that's what i hope for every year it's just like <laughs> just One talk of about years. it i don't yeah right um just just hopefully that's just more of a thing like it doesn't have to come following bad news and you're and you're you know running pr defense as it were um that's what i hope for yeah absolutely the the uh, evolution of the the shows is interesting because as you were talking about that i was just thinking and and realizing like in 2020 um i found most of like the that summer e3 replacement kind of shows um pretty pretty underwhelming um especially heading into a new console launch and then 2021 it was actually um i i, I enjoyed just about all of them more than i had i i think in in recent years so it was uh i i don't know if that was partly just kind of a new generation hitting its stride maybe um getting out of that launch window of titles that were just kind of not taking advantage of what the systems could do and how much of that was um, companies just getting, getting used to the format of a virtual uh, event and how to, how to, you know, get the hype machine running. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, I could see that, that 
getting, you know, further uh, improved in 2020 is they get so much more experience doing this. Mm. Well, I, well, one of the things I will say about iPound of the events last year, and I, they were so American, <laughs> and there's nothing, and, and I know, and, and, and uh, I, I, when they, when we did like when we do like physical events, you go from E3 and you to even with Ubisoft had a very European E3, and then you went to sort of Gamescom and you go to Tokyo Game Show and all these things. They have a certain um, uh, flavor to them. They're a little bit more understated. The humor's a little different. The way they're presented is a little different. Who's presenting them is a little different. And of course, when it's become these globalized digital events that reach everybody, it does seem to be centralized a lot in sort of American production and you know like Jeff Keighley didn't really have much of an international presence before the pandemic I mean I know he was huge in America and he had done some stuff with Gamescom but he's not even a, a name I even it's only since we've been taken over by PAX I've realized how much of an influence he is in, in the market that he's in um and uh, I, I so I felt that a little bit I do miss a bit of a I do wonder if the games industry's videos are a little less international um as a result of um I guess Nintendo's are still weird um, but um, uh, as a result of this uh, uh, pandemic and digital shows, I, I do, I do, I'd love to see a bit, uh, a bit more of a, you know, a flavour of stuff that feels a little bit maybe different. But that just slagging off point. Americans there. <laughs> <laughs> he, Chris is so right. I'm sorry, but it, it does have to be speaking as an American. It, it's very like you, you do know this is an international business right <laughs> it's it's easy to lose sight of that <laughs> i lived in the states for for 20 years and and it has a way of making the world outside the states seem uh, much smaller and further away than it actually is um chris your your I, I was <laughs> i didn't i was wondering if i was going to say anything because i'm not sure i've got many predictions um i think it's interesting one it was actually in the analyst stuff i think we're going to see a lot more companies lay out their plans for their games going beyond games um i know we've got a sonic the hedgehog movie and an uncharted movie and the last of us tv show and mario's uh, uh theme parks getting an expansion to it and we so there's a, and there's a mario movie there's a lot of stuff happening in this area it's been developing and i think that's just going to keep going where games and brands are expanding beyond um their uh they're the, just games as and it's been happening for years and years and years but i, I think we're going to really see that grow as everyone tries to make gaming bigger than um uh, uh just bigger you know just hit you know billion billions of extra people hundreds of millions of extra people um i think we'll see that uh i think we I, but i think a lot of it's stuff that we've you know it's the continuation of trends we're going to see loads of nostalgia tinged retro games um uh, uh that and obviously the biggest game launch of the year will be the port of goldeneye um and um and that's 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 probably the biggest thing um but uh uh yeah it's not, it's not it's, i don't really have too much to say than what we've talked about it's gonna be a lot going on um a lot of games i hope consoles i hope we get some more consoles into the market that'd be quite nice um uh but uh i think it's going to be a year of games and um and uh, hopefully they'll all come out on time. Okay. I'm going to take that more consoles prediction as like a Dreamcast 2. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I, me- I just meant stock. I just meant stock. I didn't mean actually. Uh, oh, unless you got Steam. Pro. Unless we call Steam Deck or Analog. Oh, that or, is actually, yeah. Um, I forgot about Steam Deck. That's a good, yeah. Sorry, you know, ignore me. <laughs> uh, well, there's lots of stuff going. There's lots, there's lots of interesting new hardware developments going on. But it's just that um, it's just manufacturing them, isn't it? Um, getting them out into into people's hands it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a thing um but um you know ps5 is selling faster than ps4 xbox series s and x i think is selling faster than xbox one so this generation is progressing ever so slightly faster than the last one um and uh i'm hoping that we'll start seeing normally the year after a new console launch is like the biggest it's like the best ever um, I remember the year after PS4, Xbox One, and I was thinking you know, there was Titan 4 and there was Destiny and there was Watch Dogs, huge new IP launches that everyone got behind. And then the, we didn't really have that. We had some good games last year, but we didn't really have that sort of those sort of moments um, in, in 2021. And, I, and I'm hoping that we're just going to get them this year. Cool. I, well, we're running long, so we should uh, probably... Uh, wrap it up and i don't have uh james's script handy for all the fine 
podcast purveying places that you can hear our fine program. Um, so I, I guess I will just end it by thanking everyone for on the panel, everyone for coming in, showing, showing us what your vision of 2022 is, is going to be like some more nightmarish than others. <laughs> and, uh, uh, thanks everyone for listening. We will see you again. What do we do this every week? doesn't feel like every week anymore we do we do but we we we, up, we have a website that updates every day brendan a website should all this is news to me <laughs> what is this website <laughs> check it out <laughs> um, gamesindustry.biz if you made it this far and you're unaware of that i don't know what to tell you but there's a website